I speak to you in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made. During an interview a few years ago, African-American poet and sage Maya Angelou recalled three words of advice from her grandmother, advice that had profoundly impacted her decisions and actions for most of her life. Just do right. The truth is, she added, you don't need someone to tell you what is right. You know what is right. Right may not be expedient, it may not be profitable, but it will satisfy your soul. Right may not be expedient, it may not be profitable, but it will satisfy your soul. Unless, of course, it's done for the wrong reasons. Which brings us to the religious leaders in today's gospel. They fast, they give, and they pray. The holiness trifecta of good and right and expected religious practices in traditional Judaism. But, Jesus observes, when they stop to offer prayers at the time of the evening, evening sacrifice in the temple, they choose to pray on the wide streets with many pedestrians so that they could be seen by others. And when they give alms, they do so at the market on Mondays and Thursdays, the busiest days where their charity could be seen and applauded by the crowd. So even though they appear to be fulfilling all righteousness, their practices are actually aimed at gaining human approval. Humanity's inability to control God is perhaps one of the most frustrating things about being in relationship with God. What kind of God hates nothing that God has made? What kind of God makes God's love available to all? What kind of God would not make people earn God's love? If we had a different kind of God, then those closest to God could decide who is in and who is out, and everyone would know where they stand. Much cleaner, simpler, safer, safer to practice external rituals while keeping God at a distance. After all, a God who cannot be controlled is a dangerous God. Showing up for a real relationship with that God, wrestling and arguing and struggling with that God, and believing that we are beloved of that God will make us dangerous too. In a recent conversation, a wise colleague and friend shared the following story. 
Several years ago, a Presbyterian minister named John served at a shelter in North Carolina where he met Henry, a homeless man who was in the last stages of AIDS. Henry suffered from bouts of diarrhea in which he repeatedly soiled himself. And because he did not have the energy to shower, his feces became encrusted on his clothes and his body, including under his fingernails. In the eyes of many, Henry was a throwaway, a homeless, drug-addicted, infected ex-convict. In the eyes of many, he not only had done nothing constructive with his life, but he was a drain on society. In the eyes of many, he was not even worth the time of day. But not for our dangerous God. And not for God's dangerous servant, John. John found Henry and he took off those foul-smelling clothes, picked Henry up, and put him in the bathtub where he soaked to get the dirt and feces off of him. And then John gently bathed him as if he were his own child. How does one human being learn to see beyond, behind, and beneath the layers of outer or inner dirt in another human being? To appreciate that the love of neighbor is inextricably intertwined with the love of a dangerous God. To live out of the belief that God hates nothing and no one that God has made. The God who welcomes each one of us as we are and who loves us into what we can become. In other words, a dangerous God. <laughs>